0: Welcome to the Imaginal Inspirations podcast with me, David Lorimer, where I talk to my guests about experiences, people, and books that have shaped their lives and work. Imaginal cells are responsible for the metamorphosis of the caterpillar into a butterfly, which is the Greek symbol for the soul. These cells are dormant in the caterpillar, but at a critical point of development, they create the new form and structure which becomes the butterfly. My guest today is Dr. Mario Beauregard, who is a neuroscientist currently affiliated with the Department of Psychology in the University of Arizona. He received a bachelor's degree in psychology and a doctoral degree in neuroscience from the University of Montreal. He's the author of more than 100 publications in neuroscience, psychology and psychiatry. He was the first neuroscientist to use neuroimaging To investigate the neural underpinnings of voluntary control in relation to emotion. Because of his research into the neuroscience of consciousness, he was selected in 2000 by the World Media Net to be one of the 100 pioneers of the 21st century. In addition, his groundbreaking research on the neurobiology of spiritual experiences has received international media coverage. As an author, Dr. Beauregard has published A Spiritual Brain brain wars, and expanding reality. He actively contributes to the articulation of the new post-materialist scientific paradigm and was one of the founders of the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Sciences. Welcome, Mario, very nice to see you from the other side of the planet. Um, um, We are going to go straight into the first question about a shaping moment involving your choice of work. Well,
1: there was a mystical type of experience uh, when I was 8 years old. To be brief about this, um it was during the summer break and uh, my parents were farmers, so we had access to uh fields and uh, a small forest and I liked very much to go to this uh, small forest from time to time. So it was a very hot day in July 1970 and uh, I went to the the forest uh And since it was quite hot, but it was very beautiful, blue sky, I decided to uh, to rest a bit. So I sat down on a big gray rock. And I started to look at all the trees that were surrounding me. And I could see from uh, afar uh, cows in the field and uh, the grass, the color of the grass. And after a few minutes, everything seemed to uh, become extremely vibrant the trees, the grass, the cows, myself, and even the uh, the, gray, the big gray rock. Everything was uh, like vibrating. And I realized that after perhaps a number of seconds that everything was united and, and was part of a whole, a totality. And I was just, small Mario was just a part of that whole, but we... We were all interconnected, the trees, me, the the rock, the cows, the the grass. And uh, ultimately, we were one. And after that realization, that big insight, I saw a part of what we could call my uh, life plan. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) But it's very strange because I didn't know what was uh, neuroscience. It was not called neuroscience. I think back then, I'm not sure, but uh, I realized that I would become a scientist later on, and that my task was to be part of a global effort to demonstrate that the brain was not the source of mind consciousness and our spiritual essence. That's all I knew, but that was a very big moment for me. Everything mm-hmm. I did after that was done based on this experience.
0: And of course, we are exactly part of this movement, trying to persuade. Right, right now, yeah. But it was 50, it was
1: 50 years ago. This was exactly, 50
0: years ago. Exactly. No, I, it's wonderfully prophetic. And, and here we are. <laughs> um, then what about moving on? Um, is Was there a particular mentor uh, or teacher um, in your studies who helped you and, and gave you some guidance? No, the, it was the reverse. It was the contrary. They, uh, especially
1: at the university, when I arrived at the university, and I met with famous uh, researchers who had the. They were there right at the beginning of the famous Montreal Neurological Institute, founded by the famous Dr. Uh, Wilder Penfield, and he, you know, he was working with Dr. Jasper, Brenda Milner, and other famous characters. And I met with some of these people, and uh, when I told them my plan. <laughs> He said, don't do that. Don't do that because you will be destroyed. You will. Have. Dr. Painfield became, uh, you know, he was at first a very staunch atheist materialist, like most scientists in the, this field. So he believed at first that uh, the brain was the source of mind, consciousness, uh, everything, all the aspects of mental life. But throughout his career, something happened. And at the end, he, was, he became a, du- a dualist, and he was very much influenced by his mentor, Sherrington, who was a great oh, professor yeah. in England, a famous person, famous scientist. But these, these old people told me, it's okay to keep this for you, but to try to change the paradigm in, in neuroscience, you'll never be able to accomplish that because it's uh, like a religious dogma. And alone, you won't be able to do to do that by yourself. And so they said it was. Now we are in end of the eighties, beginning of the nineties. They said unless there's a societal revolution, we won't. You won't get there. You won't be able to accomplish what you would like. But things have changed. I think we are in the middle of a transition between for several uh, reasons. But I have the feeling that we are in the middle of a transition between two uh, big paradigms, meta-paradigms, the old one, the materialist one, and something new that is emerging that that I like to call post-materialist, but post-materialist doesn't mean anything. It, what we can say is that it seems to accord a lot with the great insights of the major spiritual traditions of the world. We know that.
0: So in a sense, your answer is that these were these were like anti-mentors, um, so that your your career proceeded in spite of them rather than because of them. And yeah, I- but they, they
1: said they said you're you're going to be a black sheep if you keep you know going on this track, and it will be very difficult for you. And indeed, it is. It has been difficult.
0: It has yes. been. Very, yes. very interesting. When Wilder Penfield, I, I I read his his last book, which is The Mystery uh-huh. of the Mind, mm-hmm. um, where I think he he talks about um, the, the, the arriving at a different view. And of course, he's one of the, he was one of the great neuroscientists of the 20th century, but um, mm-hmm. like Eccles, he's generally ignored yeah, by, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. by the others. So let's move on, uh, Mario, to to books that you found important in shaping your life and thinking i'm sure there's no shortage of books no no i read thousands of
1: books uh, i started to read when i was uh seven years old and my mother bought me uh, encyclopedias and uh i i was uh a kind of uh savant because i i skipped a few years because i i understood very rapidly things and uh but there was no single book no i was more influenced by book about spirituality mm. see it. because in terms of science that was i couldn't find a science i was looking for because it, it did not exist yet so i was frustrated uh, uh, except for quantum physics because quantum physics had uh, the, the new physics had uh, Undergone a major revolution at the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, but in other fields like biology and uh, health, you know, uh, neurobiology, neuroscience, uh, all these fields, medicine, psychology, they didn't undergo such a revolution. They had not. So I, I was not satisfied with what was what I what I was re- uh, reading, except for spiritual books so i liked all the major the big books of all the great spiritual traditions and religions i was very um, much
0: influenced by that william james was he an influence
1: oh yes william james was an exception yes so i was looking for the yeah so i i like him very much and uh he was a visionary because he you know he he, he, he felt things that were saying that the, the same thing that now the uh the more rebellious, uh, neuroscientists are saying or philosophers, because now the, uh, there's a trend more and more philosophers of mind. Uh, they, they, are talking about the possible end of materialism. And some neuroscientists are going out and, you know, revealing that, uh, like Francisco, for instance, that at, th- at first he was very much convinced by the, the old materialist I'm not anymore. Now he's, a uh, He's becoming a a panpsychist, I think. And there are other examples as well. You you were talking about
0: Dr. Koch, yes. Yes, because he was collaborating with with Francis Crick. Francis Crick, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yes, that's right. I I agree. I think there is a move towards panpsychism. And Jeff Kripal, he talks a little bit about it um, as well. Mm -hmm. And then moving on, did you have any key moments of insight in the sort of development of your work? I became very sick. I, I went to, because
1: I, I skipped a few years uh, at school, I didn't want to uh, arrive at the university too, uh, too early, too young. So I decided to go to uh, work for, you know, for humanitarian causes, uh, especially in Israel. I spent a year when I was uh, 17 and uh, I got sick over there, I got viral infections that were not identified, but When I came back to Canada, I started the university. After a few sessions, I became extremely sick. And, uh, for example, I laid down in a bed for about a year. I was not able to eat. I had trouble breathing. And it took seven years to medical doctors, experts, to find what was the cause. I was infected by the... uh, a few viruses, a few strain of viruses that I had caught in Israel. Hmm. And so my my, my brain was uh, on fire, everything in, in the body. I didn't have any energy and I was like somebody was dying from uh, AIDS, for instance, the, the terminal stage. And uh, so during that time, I had the near death experience. And so the, because I, I thought I didn't understand the vision that I had at uh, eight years old because it didn't make sense if I, my life was over at nineteen years old. So, yeah, right. so, I had that experience, and I was accompanied by a, a beautiful being of light, and uh, I was explained that uh, this was not. Uh, it was more of a, in appearance, it was a, you know, a disease, but. In reality, it was a process of mutation of my consciousness. Mm. And it lasted 12 years. It took 12 years before I was able to regain all my strength, my energy. And uh, so it was long, but it was worse at the beginning and better over the years. But still, so they they told me that uh, I had to hang on and they gave me elements of my future research program.
0: It also reminds me, uh, one of my other guests was Yvonne um, oh, and mm-hmm. she She's had a lot of different experiences. And, and One mm-hmm. of the last ones uh, where she slipped and banged her head. I mean, that was a 12-year process um, as well before she came out of it. And yet, mm-hmm. w- when you come out, then you're on track again,
1: if I can put it that way. Exactly. That's what happened in my case. Yeah. Yes,
0: and then, how does your understanding of consciousness influence the way you live your life? Well, uh, there are many, you know,
1: many aspects to uh, consciousness. So we have we have a consciousness with a lowercase letter, our personal consciousness, but there's also a a big consciousness, big or big big mind with uppercase letter, which is to me it's uh, it associate it's associated with the uh, there's a so it's hard to de- describe, but I've had also uh, a number of mystical experiences during my life. And during some of these experiences, my small self sense of uh, Mario totally vanished. And uh, I was in a state of fusion with the the one or the all or, you know, God, <laughs> or I don't know how to call this. So... We have consciousness at different levels. I see to be conscious. Well, in psychology or in neuroscience, it's to be um, to attend to uh, what's in your field of awareness. But there are multiple. It's much richer than that. This concept of consciousness. But uh, consciousness at the ultimate level is one aspect of the uh, the being or the entity that is uh, the source of everything. In the, uh, in the universe or, or the multiverse, because there might be many other worlds, physical and more subtle as well. And I have visited some of these worlds during a, my near-death experience. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Consciousness is one aspect, but love is as important. Unconditional love. Mm. The, the spiritual form of love and creativity, power, and the... The power of intention. We we also experience that all these things we can at the human level, but but like James uh, was proposing, the the nervous system and the brain in particular is a kind of interface, but and also a, a filter system. And it's hard to encompass all the attributes of the source uh, when we are incarnated in the physical body. We, it's it's hard to fully. Express manifest you know, these attributes. Uh,
0: I, and I it's the same that thing that. with
1: consciousness. We're conscious, but we're conscious. The usual field of perception is narrow, you know. And it but is. we can we, we can alter the state as you know. We, you, we can alter states of consciousness, and we can
0: expand consciousness. Of course. Tell us a little bit about your new book, Expanding Reality.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's about the. Um, this transition between two paradigm, and I, uh, the subtitle is the emergence of post-material science. Uh, so I'm just presenting uh, a number of scientific evidence uh, on various things like near-death experience during clinical death. That's very interesting because the brain is shut down and the the, the EEG becomes flat after usually ten to fifteen seconds, and so there. In principle, there's no awareness possible. And yet we have millions of cases reported since the 1950s, I think, uh, the 1970s, the beginning of seventies. And, uh, many of these, we have now hundreds of cases of what, uh, we can call veridical perception, perceptions that of these people clinically dead, but yet they're able to perceive, they are able to uh, record information memories and uh, this information is verified when they are reanimated after that and so that but that's only one line of evidence you have very interesting research done by scientists about uh, reincarnation in uh, children one of them uh, one of these researchers is jim tucker at the university of virginia mm-hmm. he's pursuing the tradition that started uh you know, with um, the, before him at the University of Virginia. And, uh, but there are many in, in the field also. It was called pep psychology. Now we talk about psi phenomena. Dean Radin and other many great researchers are doing incredible work. And when you, when you put all the evidence together, th- there's also studies, uh, very interesting study. Well, work done by Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona with mediums, research mediums. Uh, but now there's also, um, People doing research, including Gary, is now uh, very much interested in electronic equipment to communicate. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, you, you you, would never have seen something like that uh, 30, 40 years ago because, uh, but you, you see at, at the University of Arizona, they are very much open minded and I, I salute them for this. Um, so, so when you put all the, these various lines of evidence together, it's clear that the you know the old materialist view is obsolete. It's uh, it's at least incomplete. We we need to uh, expand the paradigm.
0: Hence the title. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, we're exactly.
1: All, we're- yes, I'm, I'm. I'm just presenting. Uh, also at the end, uh, I'm presenting all the empirical evidence, and then uh, I, I've also made a small history of the so-called post-materialist movement. And at the end, I present. Uh, personal view of what could be the, this, uh, this new paradigm. But, uh, you, you know, with, uh, your network are doing great work regarding this program and what Harold and Wallach have done is quite impressive and uh, the, the, the Galileo project and, uh, many, many people are more and more people, scientists and lay people are conscious now that we are in a transition and, uh, I, I'm, I'm optimist for the future in in this sense it's totally different than when i started as a as a student and everybody was telling me don't go there won't work and your life will be a failure at the end you will be frustrated but now it's not our; it's turning it's uh so i'm i'm quite excited about this fantastic fantastic
0: no i agree it is an exciting time Uh, and Mm -hmm. Uh, is there a proverb or quote that you live by? A favorite quote that you have that that uh, occurs to you?
1: Not really, but a uh, principle I would say is that uh, the truth is uh, we need to tell the truth. We need to seek for the truth despite all our bias, emotional, or and also sometimes you know we can have conflict of interest. And I'm interested in the truth because. I've been attacked uh, based on that. Uh, you know, there's a, a kind of guerrilla against uh, people like us. Yes, yeah, really. You know, exactly. for instance, they, w- they will uh, take control of your uh, profile on the Wikipedia. And I try to uh, correct all the uh, false things that were on my profile many times. And five minutes after that, everything comes as uh, the Wait, control. Yeah. They, they are organized and... Uh, they, they present themselves as skeptics, but to me, they are pseudo skeptics. They are not true skeptics because skeptics, you know, scientists are supposed to be skeptics. They are interested in truth, and uh, but the uh, sh- if you want truth, you don't behave like this. And I know they, they've done that a lot to Rupert Sheldrake, for instance, whom I know, and um, and, and, and the SDR page. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and and to all these guys, uh to, to Dean Radin, to, to Gary Schwartz and all, all these people.
0: To me, it's, it's an ideology, isn't it? It's an ideology. Yes. It's not science, it's an ideology.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. In recent years it came very obvious that it is the case. And uh, so they, they try to uh, attack you. I've been attacked in New York magazines, very very but they, it was only ad hominem attacks now, they cannot demonstrate that what you are presenting is true so they attack you personally
0: exactly to, to, and 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 scientists and philosophers and psychologists we should be looking at the evidence and considering its implications i mean that's yes. really, that's open mindedness and rigor combined
1: exactly and we may be wrong but, but but because we all have personal beliefs but truth first that that that's my basic principle
0: yeah in science okay <clears throat> yeah. and is there any advice that you give to your younger self
1: <laughs> my younger self
0: <laughs> your younger self was sort of giving you advice in a sense you know, from your vision age age so maybe it's the other way around
1: no no uh if everything was was fine and uh i i no, i wouldn't change anything at all that i you know that i've been exp- uh you know expelled from the university of montreal when my uh, research contract came to an end uh, there was a new administration and all these people that took they replaced the old guard and they were all uh, atheist materialists so they didn't like the kind of publicity I was bringing to the uh, university of montreal because they wanted me to work with at the medical school to work with big pharma oh yes you know what's going on with big pharma right <laughs> and i'm so so because they expelled me, I, uh, I went to the University of Arizona, Gary Schwartz invited me there, and we created the uh, manifesto for post- and many other projects. Now we have books, collective books, and as you know, and uh, I wouldn't have been able to do everything I've done since I was expelled in 2013. So I, I thank my, my enemies there because everything was okay. Now I can see that. You know, uh, I see that, and I wouldn't change anything. And I have well, the feeling a, that I'm a, on the right track.
0: <laughs> that's a very empowering statement. Uh, you know, so that we we are where we are, uh, and we're mm. doing the work we we do, and we must continue doing it. Exactly. <laughs> so Mario, thank you so much for sharing your insights and in life mm. um, with mm-hmm. us. Uh, I'm sure our listeners mm-hmm. will find it fascinating, as I have. Thank
1: you very much, David.
0: Thank you.